This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, episode 240, recorded Monday, November the 16th, 2015. Welcome to the longest-running Walking Dead podcast on the internet, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I just thought I'd mention that because 240 sounds like a nice round number. It's a, it's a big number. It really is, actually, 240. It's like, it's like 20 dozen. Do you remember when we passed number 100 and we thought that was a huge deal and we made a big thing out of it, and now we're almost at 250? Okay, well, don't minimize that. It was a big deal. Well, it was a big deal. You're right. Was, I shouldn't. It was a big deal, so I wouldn't minimize it, but... Uh, uh, 240, it does seem like a big number. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of podcasting on the internet. Um, and I got to say, this this week's podcasts on the internet almost didn't happen. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad to report that they they did, or it did. This Tonight's did. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but, yeah, that's right. You can see how I'm not all here this evening. It's just You're, been crazy, crazy, crazy town. Yeah, your brain is not firing in all four cylinders? No, I'm, I'm maybe using two, two point, two and a quarter at most. Your timing belt is off. Yeah, oh, clearly. You blew a gasket. Look at this, all this automotive references. That you don't know what any of them mean. <laughs> <laughs> I know what a, I know what a, generally know what a gasket is. I'm not sure what a timing belt is. Really. I could, uh, well, I had a timing belt rip on me while I was in a car once, and it just nice. dies. That's it. It was on the highway, too. Uh, that was fun. That I, would be not fun. You could say, though, that uh, I, I blew a tire. I know what that means. Yep. You know? So, no, it's just life is a little bit out of control right now, and... Uh, I'm 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 just trying to get caught up with everything. It's just going crazy. I have some disturbing news though in along these lines. Disturbing. Well, upsetting. Upsetting for me and maybe upsetting for some other people, but I'm not sure we're going to be able to do a feedback show this week. And I apologize greatly for that if it does not happen. Look, I'm pre-apologizing. For something well, yeah, okay, that that's, that's even... fine. You can pre-apologize, and then you can apologize, and you can post-apologize, but then let it go. Okay, I will let it go after I do all that apologizing, but I just yeah. thought I'd point it out tonight because uh, Wednesday evening this week is when we, that's normally when we record our feedback show, and that night uh, happens to coincide this week with an MRI that my wife has to go for, so I kind of need to be there for that, which means I have to take her there, wait around, and then come back and bring her home. Um, which might mean that we aren't able to record that evening. And then the problem is, we would do it on Thursday, but the problem is I leave Thursday morning on a business trip for four days. So, right. uh, you know, I'm not sure I'll be able to record from where I am. So we're just going to have to play it by ear. And, you know, maybe if I can sit in the waiting room of the hospital and organize the feedback and then come home late and you and I can get on the internet in the middle of the night or something and, and record an episode, we'll, we'll give that a try, but I'm just, okay with it. I just don't know yet. So yeah, just, just for fun, slip a, uh, a, uh, a fingernail clipper into her pocket just before she goes into the MRI. That doesn't sound fun at all. No, it would, 
it would just it would bounce around and probably wreak havoc and maybe injure her severely. So maybe not do that. No, not not a good idea. I don't want to uh, injure anybody. Um, so we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, hopefully we can make something happen. But if it doesn't happen this week, I apologize. We'll do something down the road, and uh, we won't miss another feedback episode if we can avoid it. <laughs> At least for the next two weeks. That's right. Okay, well, we are here to record our recap of Season 6, Episode 6. We've got some title reads, and here they are. Awesome. Always accountable. Always accountable. Always accountable. This is The Talking Dead, covering The Walking Dead. Season 6, Episode 6. Always accountable. And Glenn better not be in somebody's barn. Thank you, everyone. That was Gareth on the internet. Odessa, who's only five years old, by the way, sent in by her mom, Andrea, in West Virginia. Wow. Next was Same James in Ireland. And uh, then, of course, Dante in Houston, who's been sending them in for a while. So thank you to everyone who read the title of this episode. It is Always Accountable. That's fun. Which is something you should be, Jason. I am. For all your actions, always be accountable. I, yeah, I, I am accountable, and uh, I count quite a bit. One, two, three, four, five. I can count all the way to 100. Ooh, 100. That's yeah. pretty good. Not as high as my children can count, but you're doing okay. Uh, yeah, I'm still practicing. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> and I'm all learning right. my gazindas. What's a gazinda? Well, you know, one gazinda, two, two gazinda, four, four gazinda, eight, eight <laughs> gazinda, 16. <laughs> yeah, okay. You, you don't know your gazindas? Well, I do now. Okay, good. <laughs> At least up to 16. Yeah. <laughs> you can keep going. It's binary. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, this episode starts with Sasha, Abe, and Daryl. They have now made it 20 miles out, which was the plan for the zombie parade. They were going to lead them 20 miles away and then let them go and double back, I guess. So mm-hmm. they've gotten to that point. We see them. They leave the zombie herd behind, and they turn back towards Alexandria. But as they're on their way, they're ambushed. Oh, my. They're ambushed by strangers, and we don't know anything about these people. We don't know who they are. We don't know why they are there, what they're doing, but uh, Daryl wipes out on the bike, but gets back on, so he's not seriously injured, which is good, and he's being tailed by some guys in a car at this point. Um, Sasha and Abe, they blow a tire, or at least their tire was shot out because these guys have guns and they're shooting at them. Um, They crash through a fence but they come back out on foot with their guns drawn and firing. They're not. They're not wasting any time. Yeah, they, the, these whoever's trying to ambush these people really fucked with the wrong couple of people here. Well, they sure did. I mean, these two are two are pretty good. Uh, pretty good with the guns. I and would say. heavily armed. Heavily like you don't armed. expect to. You know, you just see a car driving by and you shoot out a tire and shoot at the back window and it crashes through a fence. You're like, yeah, we got them now. And then they come out with assault rifles and. Uh, well, it pretty much kill you at that point. That's really unexpected behavior for uh, for people you tend to ambush. That's true, actually. I hadn't really thought of it like that. But they, as Rick has said, you know, back in season uh, the end of season four, that you know these are they're screwing with the wrong people. Yeah. Um, but Abe and Sasha come out and they just fire straight in through the front windshield of the car. So those people in that car just got full of bullet holes. So they're not with us anymore i don't think um 
they uh abe is kind of happy that they won he thinks you know we won this round <laughs> hooray <laughs> uh that's right but sasha i'd say is a little more cautious because she's worried that there could be some more people out there mm-hmm. uh now daryl is riding away but he's followed and he managed to manages to lose the people following him by hiding in the forest he, he pulls one of those turn off one way they drive by and then he goes the other way Right, right through their uh, their easily viewable rear view mirror. You know, I I thought he probably could have waited a little bit longer, but you know, they drove past. You know, sit there for thirty seconds, maybe a minute. You know, <laughs> yeah. just wait, just wait a second before you drive across their field of view. Yeah, I I can see that, but they also have they, to... they lost you. They're going to be looking around. They are. I mean, somebody's going to be looking in the rearview mirror, you got to think. so. Well, even in your peripheral vision, you're, you're driving along, you haven't seen a car in, uh, you know, a couple of years. You know, there's traffic, <laughs> you know, traffic is non-existent anymore. You're not expecting anything to move in your peripheral vision. All of a sudden, oh, I, oh, look, it's Daryl. There you he turn is. Around and then you go and shoot the guy. There's that guy on the motorcycle. So he should have waited. You know, at least 30 seconds. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. But then I didn't want to sit there waiting 30 seconds for him to come out. That would have felt like an eternity watching an empty road. Yeah, okay. That, I, see, I, I can see how that makes sense. Sure. So he drives down through the forest, and he ends up in this really burnt-out section of forest. And, like, I guess he's sort of tired, and he is hurt because he fell off the motorcycle earlier. So he falls off the bike again. And he's lying on the ground next to a really super creepy walker that's much more of a skeleton, but wearing a motorcycle helmet. Yeah. Um, this is a a strange sort of coincidence, I think, that Daryl is on a motorcycle, falls off his motorcycle, and right beside him is a skeleton zombie that is wearing a motorcycle helmet, which, incidentally, is something Daryl never wears. Well, no, he would never wear a motorcycle helmet, so it's not really coincidental. It's just some kind of like some kind of weird alternate universe kismet kind of thing. Yeah, that's Daryl in an alternate universe having been burned up in a forest fire. Wearing a helmet. Wearing a helmet, right. Yeah. <laughs> might as well have been made out of cheese. <laughs> a cheese helmet. Oh, that would be so... No, no, Daryl. Daryl's cheese. It's a cheese Daryl wearing a helmet. Because oh, if you're made out of cheese, you better wear a helmet if you're riding a motorcycle. Motorcycle. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new uh that's a new term <laughs> not, f- not for me unfortunately oh okay <laughs> i've said that word before interesting well it just came out this time yeah. well um yeah i thought this this walker uh was really creepy i mean there were a lot of skeletons around and a lot of burnt corpses and stuff but this one was especially kind of gross i thought yeah so he's lying there on the ground, and we get another one of these overhead straight-down shots with him there, and the camera's up above, and we lead right into the opening credits. So they really love to do that kind of overhead look top-down shot. So they're really they're utilizing drones. So we're seeing more and more drone cameras in uh, films and, and TV shows. They might be, but I don't know if the, I don't think this was a drone shot. Like way back in, it was a crane. I think it was a crane. Yeah, they they would have gone. Drones are more for like really high up landscape establishing shots. Or, I don't know. I think if you got a drone, shots. you use it. Yeah, maybe, right? but they weren't using drones in season one, and they were doing these kind of shots back then too. Right. They were using cranes then, so uh, I got the feeling this was not drone, but it felt very familiar because it's the kind of thing we've seen on this show lots and lots of times. It's kind of a staple of The Walking Dead. Right. 
Okay, so after the opening credits, we have Daryl back with him, and he's pushing his bike along. Lots of burned bodies around, and he's clearly tired and hurting, so he ditches the bike. He tries to radio to Sasha and Abe, but there's no response. And then he kind of realizes he's bleeding. His hand is covered in blood, so he takes off his jacket to take a look. But to me, the wound didn't look that bad. Probably just a scrape from falling down. Yeah. Enough to cause a lot of blood on his hand, though, so I could see him being worried about it. Well, I mean, blood flows, you know, down towards your extremities when it's on the outside of your body. Yeah, just pumps right out and covers your your hands. Uh, So he goes to get his bag off the motorcycle to patch himself up, I guess, and he hears something. So he takes his crossbow, he hides the bike under some shrubs, Mm because you wouldn't want anyone to find your motorcycle. Or your, what is it, motorbike Motorbike, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he makes his way sort of into the forest a little bit, or what's left of the forest anyways. And he very quickly finds two women hiding behind a large stump. Mm-hmm. And they raise their hands and say, you found us, okay, but we earned what we took. And we don't really know what this means at the time, I guess, but... It, well, I had no idea. I can tell you that. Yeah, I mean, took what? Why did you earn it? You know, is someone looking for you? These are all questions I had. Uh, But then a man sneaks up behind Daryl and clubs him from behind, and he goes down unconscious. Mm -hmm. Okay, so these three people, three new characters that we haven't seen before. Um, The man is Dwight, that's his name, and the two women are Sherry and Tina. Sherry, Tina, and Dwight. That's right. So... Um, we should clarify here a little bit that Dwight and Sherry are, uh, characters from the comic. Oh. We've seen them before. I don't know. You having read up to number 100, I'm pretty sure Dwight was introduced before number 100, but it, he probably didn't have a huge role. And Sherry was Dwight's wife, if I remember correctly, in the comic. I see. So these two are comic book characters, and Tina, as far as I know, is new. She didn't come from anywhere, but that doesn't surprise me a little bit, you know, as we get into this episode and find out what happens to Tina. Right. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah, well, spoiler for later on in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should probably watch the episode before listening to this podcast episode. It's generally considered a good idea. Yeah. Um, so that's who these people are, although really the whole episode plays out without um, too much information on these these three. Uh, we do hear Tina's name, but I'm not sure we hear Dwight's name or Sherry's name in the episode. I figured it out by going to the Walking Dead wiki and looking them up, because I wanted to see who played these characters and what they were all about, if there was any information. Yep. Uh, anyways, that's who they are. We cut to nighttime around a uh, campfire and daryl is slowly coming to and we get a few sort of daryl perspective shots where he's like becomes awake becomes conscious for a second and then drops back out again so we get a little bit of information um from dwight and sherry and tina who are talking we hear something about an outpost and we then see them packing his crossbow into a duffel bag and one of them says you know how to use one and the and I think Dwight says, yeah. So I uh, I haven't had a chance to watch with the closed captioning on to see if there's any more information in this scene, but that's kind of what I got out of it just listening. Right. Uh, so now we go to daytime, and Daryl wakes up, so he's all better. And uh, 
Dwight puts a gun in his face and tells him to get up. And this is the scene that we saw in the Comic-Con trailer where Daryl says, I'm not who you think. Yeah. And uh, Dwight threatens him if he talks more that, you know, he'll kill him. And I can remember you and me sitting here talking about that trailer going, that seems like a really cool scene. Like Daryl's being such a badass there saying, you know, I'm not who you think. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm better. Maybe I'm worse. And there was just so many questions about what was going on. As this scene played out, didn't seem as cool <laughs> in context to me. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. I thought it was still pretty cool. It, it was. I mean, I wasn't... The only problem was I wasn't entirely sure why Daryl, at this point anyways, realized, like how he realized that these people thought he was somebody else or with another group of people. Because he didn't really have much mm. information at this point. He'd been unconscious most of the time. And what he saw while he was coming to, I don't really think, um, unless there's something in there that I missed, I don't really think it gave him that much information. So uh, He's Daryl. He's got shit figured out pretty much in any situation coming in. Well, that that's true. He kind of knows what he's doing. Um, but then, I mean, we'll get into it, but Daryl makes at least one critical mistake in this episode later on. So he doesn't quite have his shit together as much as we may think, or at least this time he doesn't. Well, he's been clunked on the head. Yeah, that's true. He's been, he's got a bump on the head. It's not thinking right. So they go walking through the burnt out forest and they insist Daryl drink some water. Uh, at first he won't, but they, Dwight says, I don't want you to fall down. That would be bad. <laughs> I don't yep. want you to hurt yourself, man. <laughs> um, now they talk about giving Daryl to them, but who is them? We don't know. And they say things like, maybe we'll give them over to them and they'll call it even. And uh, Sherry and Tina are talking about being back, as in back here in the forest, I think. Um, And they say something about going to pick up Patty. And that's all they're here to do. Mm -hmm. So Just get Patty and then that's it. Yeah, that's it. So we're getting little bits and pieces of information here. But, you know, watching through the first time, I still really didn't feel like we knew what was going on, who these people were and what their motivations were. Now they reveal at this point that they burnt down the forest by lighting the forest on fire with, uh, gasoline, I guess. Uh huh. Um, and they say they did it right at the start. So that would have been a while ago. And apparently they got most of the zombies cause it was, the forest was full of them and it drew the ones from the town to the fire. So here is another explanation of why no zombies ever came to Alexandria. So if you light a forest on fire, it'll go out without burning the wood? What do you mean? Well, because this forest was all blackened and looked like there was a fire, but even the little trees were still not burnt. They were just charred on the outside. Everything was charred. So I'm not quite sure exactly how this fire works. Or whether it was realistic or not, but it just, it looked like, uh, uh, I know it looked like all the trees were painted to me and the ground was painted. I mean, it probably was production wise, but it just, it didn't look like a real fire. Yeah. You know, I didn't think of that while I was watching it, but that is kind of a good point. I mean, a, a full on huge raging forest fire does not leave very much behind. So it would probably be more destroyed, but for the purpose of this episode, I don't want to nitpick that too much, I don't think. Like, All right. it had to be a forest fire. I mean, they're not going to burn down a real fire. They shoot on location, so it's not like they could build a forest fire set somewhere. I mean, I guess they could have, but 
Instead, they choose to paint some trees. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's okay. I'm done. Paint them black. Um, but I didn't. it didn't occur to me while I was watching it. Uh, but I did think that they're trying pretty hard to include reasons in this show for why Alexandria has been so safe, which I, I don't mean in a bad way. I mean, they kind of need to do that because Alexandria has been safe and people have kind of always been wondering how come they've been here this whole time and really no zombies have show, shown up. Because there's, uh, you know, unwilling or unwitting helpers drawing zombies away from them. At the end of the day, they've been just super lucky, really. Yeah. They had a big quarry where all the zombies were drawn in there, and then they had a giant forest fire, and all of them were drawn to that. Um, I wonder, though, why nobody in Alexandria has gone to sort of investigate, maybe? You would have seen a giant forest fire that's only 20 miles from your town, right? I don't know. I've never had a forest fire 20 miles from my town. Maybe not. Like, that's what, 36 kilometers or so? So I'm pretty sure you'd see the smoke from that. But So if, you're, if you're, your neighborhood was on fire, do you think I'd see it? Um, if my neighborhood was, yeah, that's about how far apart we are. But if my yeah. neighborhood was on fire, like the whole neighborhood? Yeah. I think I'm not sure. Uh, it depends on the prevailing winds, right? I maybe may see the smoke and go, something's on fire, <laughs> and it's been burning for four or five days, so that's probably significant. But uh, you know, if the wind was blowing the other way, I might not never know. Actually, you you may be right. I mean, thirty six kilometers is pretty far. It it just comes down to the size of the fire. Do you think if High Park, High Park being a large park in Toronto, if High Park was on fire, the whole thing, do you think you'd see it from your house? High Park? No. You don't think so? It's on the far side of you. I know, but that's only probably 10, 15 kilometers at most from my house. I really don't think so. So probably 50 from your house. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't think so. Okay. Like, so... I'd have to, I, there would have to, if I was on top of a, a mountain or a large hill and I could see that far, maybe, but uh, everything's pretty flat between you and me. I mean, generally speaking, yeah, uh, it's pretty flat. There's a couple of valleys and such, but uh, you know, I, I probably wouldn't see it unless the pillar of smoke f- was going straight up f- into the stratosphere. I might go, "Wow, that's weird." Well, but see, other than that, I think you might see the smoke. Anyways, it's kind of besides the point. I guess it's plausible that nobody in Alexandria knew about this fire. Or well, they all had their ovens were working, right? So they're making cookies and uh, making <laughs> muffins and things. They're their heads down doing shit. They're not looking up in the air, going, "Look, a uh, smoke up there." Geez, that's a lot of smoke heading from that direction over there. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, Dwight says, uh, you know, that they were stupid, and Daryl asks if they're being stupid right now. <laughs> Dwight yeah. Daryl kind of maybe needs to keep his mouth shut here. Maybe just listen. Uh, but Dwight threatens to kill him again, and he asks him if killing him was a mistake, or not killing him was a mistake. <laughs> and Daryl says, no, 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 that's not a mistake. Keeping me alive is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, he accuses Daryl of choosing to kill for somebody else for a room over his head. So Dwight seems to think Daryl is part of some other group or maybe some other community that's not so good. But, you know, doing their dirty work, I think, is what he's saying is what's, you know, why they let him stay around and, and live yeah. there. Yeah. So we're slowly learning a little bit about what's going on. But still, I must admit, watching this, I was like, come on, just tell us who these people are. I want to know. I felt confused. 
Well, I, I figure that, uh, you know, in situations like this, I, I always think that everything will become clear in the fullness of time. Right. That, They're going to tell us. Yes, of course. That's what my so, dad always used to say, that we will find out in the fullness of time. Yeah. So, you, you mean your dad agree on this point? I would say so. So they continue to uh, walk in. They continue to walk in. They continue to walk through the burnt out forest. <laughs> uh. And uh, they come to a fence at the Patrick Fuel Company. And uh, I think um, Dwight says that Patty is gone. And they contemplate going back, going back to the community, I think, that they were fleeing. But all of a sudden, Tina collapses, and Daryl uses this opportunity to grab the duffel bag they have, which has his crossbow in it, and run off back into the forest. Yeah. Yeah, he totally bugs out. He bugs out. So we see him get into the forest, get, you know, down behind a log. He unbinds his hands, which have been, you know, tied up with rope this whole time. Really crappily, because he just kind of twists his arms and goes, oh, okay, well, that was easy. Well, he used his teeth and then just gets them off, yeah. Well, you know, uh, the way they tied his hands together, they just kind of wound the rope around his wrists and then tied it off. Uh, Rope is notoriously flexible, like you can... Uh, especially a, a, a nice natural fiber rope, you can flex it. And then if you don't tie it in the middle as well, it's totally, you totally can just slip out of those knots. He knew that from the get-go. That's why he wasn't so worried. Uh, he just, he knew at any time he could just kind of get rid of those ropes. Yeah, and I think it also says a little bit about uh, Dwight and and uh, these people that they're not really all that experienced in maybe taking hostages or doing bad stuff like this. Or, yeah, or even, uh, you know, they don't know a whole lot about playful bondage. Because <laughs> if you knew anything about playful bondage, you'd be able to tie a rope that uh, somebody couldn't get out of. Yeah, well, that's one skill that you're going to have down in the zombie apocalypse, Jason. Well, it could be. And, uh, you know, the other reason I didn't think that they knew anything about playful bondage is they did not have a safe word. They should have had a safe <laughs> word so that they knew that if he was in real distress... Uh, they should let him out of his ropes. Okay. Keep that, and I'll keep that in mind next time. Yeah. Um, so Daryl gets his hands out. He tries to radio Sasha and Abe again, but there's no answer. And then all of a sudden, there is a sort of gross moss zombie coming towards him. And he struggles to get his crossbow out of the bag because it's all, you know, tangled up. And it's hard to get a crossbow with all the pointy things sticking out off of it out of a duffel bag. It's very difficult. I imagine it would be, actually. If I had a zombie bearing down on me, I would have picked up the duffel bag and ran 10 steps, tried again. No, okay, it's not working. Stand up, run another 10 steps, try again. But he just sat there in that one spot. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, like, dude, run away. Grab the bag, run away, and then and then get the thing out. You'll be, you'll be better. But he manages to get it out just in time, and from his back, with bare, without any aim, pretty much, perfectly shoots that zombie in the head. Yeah, and it's a good thing they stuffed that crossbow into that bag loaded. Loaded, yeah. Completely loaded with a <laughs> uh, an arrow in there, and it cocked and everything ready to go. Uh, Jeez, that was a lucky break. I'm pr- Well, it's Daryl. The man is inherently lucky, right? Heroes, yeah. heroes like that are. One of the character traits of Han Solo is that he's a lucky guy. He is a lucky guy. Right? And Daryl fits that mold, too. Han Solo, Indiana Jones. Um, and Indiana Jones always has his hat. That's right. Like he never loses his hat, so Daryl never loses his crossbow. Yeah, well... Until the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So something is going on there. But all that means to me is that we're going to see these people again. Oh, yeah, of course. And yeah, he's, he's got to get his crossbow back. There's no doubt about that. It can't be gone for too long. Yeah. Um, uh, Glenn's going to have it, I bet. 
Oh well, see now. <laughs> now you got. Sorry, I'm spoiling it. Uh, you know, later episodes. That's you got a whole new <clears throat> theory on Glenn. Anyways, after uh, Daryl kills this zombie, he notices a cooler of insulin or a cooler marked insulin in the uh, in the duffel bag. Yeah. Uh, and I just realized that. I mean, it could have just said insulin on it and had something else in it, but beer. That's right. Could have been anything, but I guess he went by the label or he checked and we didn't see it. Could have been iguanas on a stick. Oh, delicious. Yeah, nice uh, toasty roasted iguana on a stick. Fry those up right now. But we cut back over to Sasha and Abe. They're looking for Daryl, and they are wondering about the people who ambushed them. And Abraham says uh, they must have been looking for somebody else, not them. Because, you know, why would they be there hidden on the side of the road just to attack them coming through? Uh, since they've been like hanging around with this zombie parade the whole time. Um, they try to radio Daryl, but there's no answer, of course. And Abraham thinks that he's probably on his way back to Alexandria. But Sasha says that the best way for a tracker to find you is to stay put. Yep. So as as they leave, she leaves a big footprint in some mud as part of the trail. And uh, they get into a town, and before going into this office building they find, she scratches the word Dixon onto the door. Subtle. It's subtle, but it actually it actually is. I was thinking only Daryl or somebody who knows Daryl would know what that means. That's true. Right? That's very true. It's not a terrible idea. It's like you don't want to write, we're in here, or, you know, like, come get us. Abraham and Sasha through this door, come this way, we're in here right now. Yeah. Uh, we're probably sleeping, come on through. Doesn't make any sense to do that, but put on something that means something to the people you're looking for. So I think it was a smart idea. She should have scrawled a big A for Alexandria. Well, she should have, actually. That would have been more appropriate to the, the A theme running out throughout this show. Yeah. Uh, now, we're inside this office building. Abe is sort of clearing the building, and he finds a room with a highly decorated military uniform hanging in a clothing bag. Mm-hmm. He just sort of looks at it. Um, this scene bothered me a little bit, though, because he basically opens a door, walks into a dark room with no windows, stands around in the dark, looking at photos on the wall and checking out this military uniform. Honestly, I expected a zombie to sneak out of the darkness and attack him. Ah, I thought he was fine. It didn't bother me at all. But rule number one of the zombie apocalypse is like, don't walk into dark rooms unless you are 100% sure they're clear. That's probably true. You know, don't... He, he's, uh, he, you know, I think he's losing it is the problem. Because the next scene when he walks out of that dark room is that uh, the zombie behind the glass startles him. Uh-huh. So he's totally losing it. So, so what? You're saying he's losing his, like he's being careless? He's being careless. He's losing his edge. He's either getting tired or he needs a drink or something's going on, but he's uh, he's definitely losing his edge. He's a little too aggressive. Yeah. He's getting a little too careless. Uh, he's able to be startled. Uh, I don't know. No, you're right. That's, I mean, we get into that in this episode. And you know what? Even before they go into the building, he takes out his knife to go like all the way down the street and kill a walker that's going the other way. That's no immediate threat to them. But Sasha says, don't worry about it. Let's just let him go. We'll go in here. And I mean, I can see both sides to that. She's trying to be realistic in that, you know, we're trying to get into here. We need to get somewhere safe. Why run down there? You never know what might be around the corner or down an alleyway. There could be a hundred more walkers. So let's leave him alone because he doesn't see us. 
Um, but Abe wants to go take him out anyways because he doesn't like loose ends, he says. <laughs> yeah, he's got to clear. He does have to clear. In fact, he's sort of in clear mode right now. Yeah. Not as not as batshit crazy, but he wants no. to take everything out. Um. So, yeah, so he returns. Abe, he returns to the office where Sasha is, and like you said, there's a zombie locked in a boardroom. Um, she doesn't want to kill it because it's in there and it's not getting out, even though Abraham does. And in this case, I'm with him. It's like, it's right there behind glass. You never know what's going to happen. Open that door, stab it in the head and move on. The door's locked. They don't have a key. They got to break the glass. They break the glass to make noise. They might attract attention. Well, maybe, but I don't think I would sleep in that room with a zombie just behind a thin pane of glass. Oh, man, they've been without TV for like a year and a half. Uh, this is entertainment. <laughs> right. Uh, it's like a play going on right beside them. Right there. You can make up stories, make up dialogue, talk, uh, you know, he's he's doing a soliloquy. You can, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of entertainment you can have with a zombie behind closed doors and, and glass. I'm not so sure. I don't think it was a good idea, but um, Sasha, she, you know, talks to Abraham and she... Uh, she he decides that he's going to sort of keep watch while she sleeps so she goes to lie down in a corner and Abraham starts rummaging through stuff i don't know making all kinds of noise all kinds of noise you go to sleep i'm just going to you know he says i'll be quiet here i'm going to do some shopping so he's going to yeah. look look through some stuff um now in the boardroom there is a whiteboard and written on the whiteboard is the following text proud to have provided value i pray for the world keep going stay cheerful the bites kill <laughs> so um, helpful advice yeah very helpful advice i gotta think that was written there by the guy whose uniform we just saw i think it was written by that zombie before he was a zombie you think so who who owns the uniform that's in the other room i think it's all the same person well how did that guy die and reanimate in there I have no idea. Like he Maybe was, he got bit, and he went into that room, and he locked it, and he knew that he was going to be a zombie, so this is the safest way he could, uh, you know, check out without hurting anybody. Hmm. I can see that. All right. Good. There's a whole backstory to that zombie now. Yeah, his name is Fred. Sure. Yeah. I could, <laughs> I could make up a soliloquy for him now if you'd like. Maybe later. <laughs> now is the winter of our discontent. <laughs> he is a performing zombie. Um... So Abraham comes back in seemingly a little bit later, I guess, and Sasha's not asleep. She can't sleep. No kidding. There's a there's a freaking zombie behind a thin pane of glass. Oh, making she's all kinds seen of it noise. all before. That's nope. just background noise now. It's dumb. That zombie should be It's like be a dead. white noise generator. It probably She probably can't sleep without that noise. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Well, she couldn't sleep here. And uh, Abraham jokes about this being their new home and that they should name the zombie. I'm glad. Fred. I'm gl- well. You named the zombie. I'm glad they didn't name the zombie because they named him Fred. Would have been would have would have been silly. Um, she says that uh, it was his choice to come on this mission, but he disagrees. Abraham says that Sasha was out of control for a while and that she needed him there, or at least he thought she needed him there to keep her in line. Um, and Sasha goes on to talk about having choices, but with walkers and all the people. Uh, walkers and everything all around people aren't as accountable for the things they do anymore um which i don't know is she trying to justify sort of how she was for a little while but she's better now i guess i'm not really sure i didn't quite get it yeah i think she's probably just trying to tell 
Abraham, that you may not be accountable for the things you do anymore, but you can't let your humanity go like entirely. Otherwise you, you descend into just, well, uh, you descend into Morgan and clear, right? Where he's just single-minded and he doesn't really even consider anybody else. He was killing the living and the dead. So, um, you can't let it all go, even though the choices you make, well, sometimes you have to make them and the responsibility isn't always, you know, your own. Um, but we have a commercial break and we come back and we are back to Daryl. He's in the burnt out forest, of course. And he, uh, he sneaks up on Dwight and Sherry and Tina, who I guess couldn't find him (laughs) after he ran away and they're sitting around. He sweet, he sneaks up on them. He makes Dwight drop his gun and take his gun. And then he takes a little wooden statue from Dwight that he was carving as payment. As payment, like you can't you can't just give the you can't just give the uh, the bag to them for nothing. He needs something in return, oh. so he he demands something. Just give me something so I can give you this bag so it's a trade because I can't just give it to you for bartering here. So he he said that'll do, and he took it. So that's his payment. So the bag he stole from them, which has the insulin that Tina needs, he yep. he's selling back to them. That's correct for a little statue that uh, Dwight was. Uh, was carving. What a dick. Well, um, I think it, it's it's a barter system, right? I, no? I guess. He was taking the bag in payment for knocking him about the head mm-hmm. and uh, tying him up, and he thought that the only thing in that bag was his crossbow, so he thought he was taking what was his. So, you know, it's his now because he took it and thought it was his, so now he's got to trade it back, but he can't give it to them for nothing. Okay. Well, I And the, and the gun is not payment. That's just safety that he took that. Right. So, taking that as, as payment. So he, he took the statue as payment. That's just a smart move. Take the guy's gun. Um, now, Daryl is about to leave, but just as he goes, uh, a big truck pushes up through the forest. Mm-hmm. And some guys get out of it that we don't really see. We get some, like, kneecap shots and, you know, distance shots. And, very uh, mysterious. Very mysterious. Now... Uh, Sherry, I think, says again that she yells to them that they earned what they took. So she's telling everybody that. And she tells them that their rules are batshit. And Dwight says, we're not going back, Wade. We're done kneeling. Wade. Wade. Not. I thought it was Wayne the first time through, but I listened really hard and apparently it was Wade. And then I confirmed that later on the internet that it was indeed Wade. So while this is happening, Daryl's hiding behind a tree <laughs> watching mm-hmm. this go on. So I guess he got, you know, a few steps away and he sees more men approaching on uh, on foot. It's It felt to me like they were sort of surrounding them, but clearly not because he he gets, he grabs Dwight and the women and they run away and hide behind a fallen tree. It didn't feel to me like it was very difficult for them to, to get away from all these guys. I don't know. I think they might have been in either a in the process of surrounding them mm-hmm. when they haven't. They didn't completely, you know, encircle them yet, or they were just flanking them. Like it wasn't actually a surrounding situation. It was just a we're going to go this way. You go around and flank them a little bit. Yeah, I, I I can see that, but I I got the feeling they were much closer together, right? And I didn't feel like there'd be any way that Daryl and and uh, Dw- Dwight and everybody would be able to just run away without being seen it it felt like the guys the truck was right there 
and um, Wade was pretty close. But I, I guess they were farther than we thought because they did manage to get away and no one knew where they were. So um, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was just, you know, poorly sort of executed perspective on, on the where everyone was. But um, they're hiding and one of the men comes, starts coming near them and Daryl manages to lure him past a zombie that's stuck in some rocks by shaking a bush and making some noise. But you know luckily the zombie grabs the guy and bites his arm yeah he totally uh, used that zombie as a weapon he did i mean it's pretty lucky move but as we've established daryl's a lucky guy but it worked out um so the guy that gets bit starts calling for wade tell him that tells him that he's bit and wade comes over and basically just cuts his arm off yeah because that's what you do when you get bit and it's nice that they know that yep yeah. That's a lesson hard learned, I bet. Oh, absolutely. He uses a belt or something to, um, what do you call that? Tourniquet. 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 Yeah. Tourniquet his arm, then just chops it off. Uh, and we hear on their radio, or maybe we hear um, the sort of chatter on their radio through Daryl's radio. I'm not sure if it works that way, but we hear, it's time to go home. Cam got a boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he, then he tells him to walk it off. He tells him to walk it off, yeah. But we so now we know that Wade is the main guy. It seems like, and that guy's yeah. name was Cam. It's just a flesh wound. That's right, just a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound. Actually, walk it off. you had a flesh wound, and now you're missing an arm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, before they leave, though, they inject Tina with some insulin, and uh, I guess she needed it. Yeah. Um, and now uh, Dwight says to Daryl, "You know, we thought you were with them." And that's why we were so mean to you. And he asks Daryl why he came back. And Daryl just says, you know, maybe I'm stupid too. Yeah. Which uh, could very well be the case. Now they just have to get a bunch of squirrels and have dinner. That's right. And then they'll be best friends forever. Mm -hmm. So after a commercial break, we come back and Abe is exploring the office. And he sees something outside the window. So he leaves and he finds a military vehicle on a bridge. And there is a zombie stuck on a fence, basically impaled on a fence that's hanging over off the side of the bridge. Yeah. And this is a kind of a weird situation. Don't really know how this happened, but uh, there is a military Hummer there. And uh, Abraham takes a look and he finds a case of rockets and a case of cigars. Yeah. <laughs> so a box of cigars and a case of RPG rounds. Okay. Well, see, I didn't get either right. Uh, you know, <laughs> cigars don't come in a case. They come in a box. Eh. They come in a box, yeah. All right. So, and for some reason, they're not all wet. You know, I don't know how long this stuff has been sitting out, but uh, if it's been, I, I'm not sure, a year? Do you think this, this uh, military vehicle has been sitting here a year? Maybe more. I don't know. Do you think those, uh, this is supposed to be outside of Washington, D.C. It kind of gets cold and wet in the winter, so... Uh, those cigars must be friggin' ripe. I don't know. Maybe they've, uh, they, maybe they were well preserved in that sealed box. Do you think the box was actually a magical humidor of some kind? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. They, they didn't look, they looked like they were in pretty good shape though. You're right. They did. So, um, now he, so he finds the, the RPGs in the case, but the actual rocket launcher is strapped to the zombie that's hanging on the fence. Yeah, he's going to need that. So he's going to need that if he's going to do anything fun with these rockets. 
Um, yeah, I, as soon as I saw these, I'm like, oh, this is Chekhov's RPG. <laughs> Chekhov's <laughs> RPG. Well, you just spoiled somebody's holy crap later. Oh, did I? I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, he's so. Now, what Abraham does here is he climbs out onto the fence, and I guess he's going to get the rocket launcher, but he gets into some sort of weird struggle or slap fight with the zombie, and, you know, he ends up getting frustrated, and he just ends up screaming at the zombie and backing off. Like, they're screaming at each other, basically. They're having a screaming fight. It's like the audio equivalent of a slap fight. Pretty much. And so he ends up back on the road, on the bridge, and he lights up a cigar, and he stands there and watches the zombie slowly fall off the fence as the fence rips through the zombie's shoulder, eventually leaving just the rocket launcher hanging on the fence. Good times. So, pretty lucky. And... I don't know if him climbing out there is what prompted the zombie's shoulder to rip off, but um, I kind of didn't like this scene at all. It, I, I was like, why? How can Abraham be so dumb that number one, he's crawling out onto a fence that's hanging over a bridge? Number two, there's a zombie hanging on this fence, which you know you're you're already in a precarious situation. You're just asking for trouble by doing that, and then. I just felt like they tried to make this scene extra suspenseful with really fast cuts back and forth between Abraham's face and close-ups of the zombie, and then they end up screaming at each other in his his frustration, and none of it made any sense to me, and I just think it was one of the dumber things I've seen on this show. Well, I don't know. Uh, it now if, When you recount it like that, I kind of agree with you, but when I saw it at the time... Uh, the only thing I was thinking of was that when you're wandering around the world, uh, every weapon you find is slightly better than the last one. Uh, it's always better than the one you have, and eventually you find the uh, the BFG, and you're able to shoot vehicles and such. So I think we're at the stage in the game where uh, where Abraham finds the BFG. Sure, that's great, but I mean, when the BFG is dangling in such a dangerous scenario i'm not even I, I mean like dangerous because it's a zombie dangerous because it's i don't know how high off the ground hanging off a bridge and he decides to crawl out there and just kind of reach around the, i mean it, the zombie it didn't it didn't make any I, sense I would, yeah well i would have stabbed it in the head right off I, i'd have crawled out there with a knife between my teeth and uh stabbed that sucker in the head then unslung the rpg off of his back yes maybe shoot the zombie i mean i know you don't want to shoot when you can avoid it but some sometimes it might be okay um or or push the fence off of the bridge and then walk down and get it like oh i wouldn't do that i wouldn't do that because those things are uh it would go off if something hit the tip of it right okay maybe i think it probably probably if they designed it properly i don't know this about these uh anti-tank weapons but most likely it has to be launched before whacking it on the tip with something will set it off but i would just be very careful with that okay because if he falls the wrong way and it lands on the tip the whole bridge blows up and oh god it just cause a whole bunch of havoc yeah so no right. i definitely wouldn't push him off off the fence okay but i my point is there's just there's probably other um other options than crawling out there and just trying to reach around that zombie. Oh yeah, stab him in the head. Stab him in the head, anything. Stab him in the head with a long stick. Like grab a part of the fence, take a half hour, sharpen it, 
you know, and yeah. then stab him in the head. Yeah. I mean, time is one thing he has, I think. So I think so. Um, anyways, we cut back to him and he's returning to the office. And now the one thing that saved this for me a little bit is Sasha asks him, where have you been? And he says, I was out. Uh, or, or she says, where did you get that? And he admits that it was grade A stupidity, what he did. <laughs> Right. He said, I was, this was absolutely terrible, the worst idea. So it kind of saved it for me because he knew it. And, um, I don't know, it was sort of a scene where he was confronting, you know, the monster, whatever, whatever. And it, I think it made him realize something. So I was okay with it because of this, but while I was watching it, man, I was like, Abraham, what are you doing? You're so much smarter than this. Yeah. Um, but he says to, um, Sasha now uh, that he's he's sure whatever's happening back at Alexandria is being handled by Rick and he's basically tells her that he wants to get together with her now I'm gonna I'm gonna play this audio clip for you all right sure you see I know this group and I know Rick and whatever happened back there is being managed and kicked right up into its own ass one way or another I know that we got beer and air conditioning and walls. The table is set for the rest of our lives. And I hope those years to be long and fruitful. I see that time before me. And I've been feeling the urge to make some plays before the great cosmic Pete comes to cut my throat unceremoniously and I gurgle my last breath. Things are going to go on for a while before that. That hadn't occurred to me before. I've been kind of living check to check on that point. I like the way you call bullshit, Sasha. I believe I'd like to get to know you a whole lot better. That one of your plays? It makes you think, I want that. A man can tell. So, Jason, a man can tell. <laughs> can he now? <laughs> yeah. Um, the reason I wanted to play that is because I'm a little bit worried that they are turning Abraham into a clown or, or, or something. Like, do you remember when he was first introduced into the show... Maybe it was just me, but I feel like we were worried a little bit that Abraham and Eugene and Sasha were just sort of not realistic characters, like just caricatures, caricatures yeah. of of characters. Yeah, I feel like we're swinging that way again with Abraham a little bit because the way this whole scene was written, I just couldn't help but think nobody talks like this. Nobody says things like, you know, problems are being kicked into their own ass and the great <laughs> the great cosmic Pete gurgle my last breath and I've been living check to check on that point right there. Like it just none of it sounded real to me. This was a Eugene speech is what occurred to me yeah. when I first heard it. I'm like, this is something Eugene would say. I mean, he wouldn't use the exact phraseology, but he would, uh, this, this is something he would do to make a, uh, to pitch his position to a woman that he was attracted to. It, it did sound a little bit like Eugene. And for some reason, it doesn't bother me coming out of Eugene's mouth, but Abraham. No, cause Eugene is comic relief. 
Well, he is, yes. And he's, you know, that's part of his character. But it feels like they're doing something similar with Abraham here. And for a guy who's not Eugene, who doesn't have the same, (laughs) you know, mental capacity as Eugene, maybe, uh, it just doesn't work for me. And I didn't really like it at all. I just want him to sound more like a real guy, you know? Well, yeah. And now he's got cigars. So he's even more of a caricature than he was without the cigars. Yeah. Because, you know, the the rootin' tootin', rough and tumble military guy with uh, cigars, uh, it's, it's just a little too Hannibal from the A-Team. Or G.I. Joe, you know? Yeah. I was expecting a uh, some kind of build-it uh, musical montage in this episode <laughs> after he got those cigars. I'm like, yeah, okay. And he's going to say, I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah, well, I wouldn't have been surprised because I think he was just written really poorly in this episode. And it's kind of slowly been going like that, but I don't think I realized it until until this scene because it all just culminated here for me. And I don't want Eugene to be a—or, I mean, I don't want uh, Abraham to be a caricature. <laughs> I want him to right. be more realistic. So this—I yeah. just don't like it. Um, but we take a break and come back. We're in the burnt out forest. Daryl and everybody are walking along and he asks, Daryl asks how they knew these people, but still thought that he was one of them. Like, it's like, if you know them, didn't you know, I'm not part of that group. And Dwight explains that they were there since the beginning, but they still didn't know everybody. Um, and he says that people got, you know, people got harder And it really became a shit show in this community they were in. And they talk about how you can't promise anybody safety anymore. And this kind of is interesting because it sounds like they were saying, you know, we promise people safety in this community, which is something that Aaron and Daryl were doing when they found people and they were talking about Alexandria. Yep. But Daryl realizes here that that's not something you can really promise anymore. There's no such thing as guaranteed safety. Hell, there probably isn't in the real world, you know? No, there is not. So the other thing that this conversation revealed to me anyways is that it seemed to imply that whoever this group of people were, they were really big, really large, high numbers. Yeah, if they they don't recognize everybody. That's right. They're actual strangers in this community, which is a weird thought, you know, when you think about where our characters have been. Um, But they come to a a burnt-out like greenhouse it kind of looked like yeah and they say this is where two of their friends lived and of course we find bodies on the ground covered by some sort of melted plastic i guess the roof melted glass i would assume that uh this greenhouse caught on fire and it was glass that or yeah or might be melted plastic but it just it fell and then encased them and encased them and and then hardened right yeah, it's sort of like carbonite. Yeah. It's what Han Solo right. was, uh, put in. <laughs> carbonite, of course. Yeah, they're in perfect hibernation. That's right. Um, now, Tina approaches to put flowers down, but predictably, the zombies under the carbonite come to life, and she's bitten. So poor yeah, Tina is not going to survive. So why would they break out now and not break out before? Like, if they had the capability of breaking out of their uh, encasement before how come they were able to break out now motivation well motivation i think these are lurkers so they just lay there doing nothing until they saw or smelt or detected something that piqued their interest 
Right. So that's the theory of if they don't have any readily available food source, they just kind of go dormant. And just lie there because, in fact, the zombie's eyes were closed. And right. when Tina gets close, you see it open its eyes. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, sort of. Anyway. <laughs> so Tina's bitten. She falls down. Daryl runs over. He stabs both the zombies in the head. But, of course, it's too late. And uh, we see um, Sherry uh, trying, well, breaking down totally, apologizing to Tina. And then cut to digging graves. And uh, Daryl now asks Dwight the three questions. Yeah, here's the pitch. So the question is, how many walkers have you killed? And Dwight's answer is lots, a couple dozen at least, which doesn't really sound like that many to me. I mean, it's all perspective. Daryl's probably killed hundreds of zombies, and this guy's killed 25, and uh, he thinks that's a lot. It's all perspective. Daryl's a superhero, though. This guy's just a hero. Yeah, okay, you're right. Uh, How many people have you killed? None, he says. And why? Dwight says, because if I did, there'd be no going back to how things were. Yeah, that's a foregone conclusion in my mind already. Uh, Yeah, I would say so, but I can see why this is the kind of answer that, you know, you want to hear from somebody when you ask them these questions. Meaning that, you know, I'm not a murderer, I don't kill people, I'm still trying to live a whatever kind of civilized life I can. So these might actually be the type of people you want to bring back to your community. Right. I think, anyways. So Daryl thinks this way, too, from what I can tell, and he tells them he's from a place where people still are like the way we were, more or less. Right. (laughs) You know, you got to qualify that. And And he should also qualify it with probably, because he doesn't know what's going on with the other half of that herd that's uh, going through there. That's very true as well. I mean, you, you, he really doesn't know what's going on. But at the, at the end of the day, he's decided to invite them back to Alexandria, which is a big step considering where how they started their relationship, you know, earlier on. Yeah. So- well, I've made friends uh, by getting into fights with them. And in fact, when I was in grade school, that's exclusively how I made friends. I tended to uh, go from school to school there for a while. And usually I'd show up to school and and then somebody would pick on me and we'd get into a fight. And then we'd end up being best friends. You were a, the way it works. You were a bad kid. I wasn't a bad kid. They picked on me oh. and we got into a fight. I was always, I was never the aggressor. I was always the, the shy, quiet one, which is what pisses a lot of people off. Or used to when I was a kid. I can I can really believe you when you say that. I, what I mean is I, I think, you know, if I had to guess, I'd guess that's how you were as a kid. I, I still am that way. Me too, actually. I was always shy and quiet. And... I mean, sure, we're talking on the internet, but it's not like I'm talking really to anybody except you. No. And... You know, in my head. Right. And, right? Uh, but, you know, you're, you've grown out of it a little bit. Well, yeah. Probably. Being yes. a fully grown and well-formed man. Well, yeah, you know, a grown-ass adult. <laughs> That's right. You know, I'm better at uh, talking to crowds than I am talking to individuals. I, I have zero fear of getting in front of 500 people and uh, talking to them for an hour. Uh, I have a huge fear of walking into a room and having to make small talk with somebody I know a little bit. Or not at all. Or not not at all is actually okay. It's if I know them a little bit, mm. That's that's the biggest problem. That's my biggest fear. Not talking in front of crowds, it's talking to individuals and having to make small talk. Oh, my God. At least here I have a topic. Yeah, some people are just not good at small talk. I'm horrible at it. All right. Um, I don't do sports. I don't 
Yeah. Yeah, that's anyway. right. So, how are them Blue Jays? <laughs> yeah, they're hockey, right? Yeah, no. Anyways, <laughs> back to the show. Um, yeah. The four of them, Daryl and Dwight and everybody, they arrive back at Daryl's motorcycle. Three and- of them. Oh, sorry, three of them. We got a, we got a dead person buried now. Yeah, Tina is not with us anymore. Tina's gone. Yeah. Uh, they arrive back at the motorcycle, and he explains that they can walk from there and meet up with his friends, and then, yeah. and then they'll drive back. So uh, Daryl's walking away, pushing the motorcycle. Dwight and Sherry are behind him. Dwight starts asking about his friends, and Daryl notices something in the bike's rearview mirror and says, oh, shit. And turns around, but not in time to find Dwight raising his gun. And they make him give up his crossbow, and they steal his motorcycle. Oh, son of a... Pretty much, pretty much. So Daryl misjudged these people. Sherry, as they're leaving, says, I'm sorry. And Daryl, here's where he had his badass line of the episode. He responds with, you're gonna be. (laughs) I (laughs) love... This line I liked a lot. I love this one. Um, the thing I don't understand about this scene, though, is, and maybe you can clarify, was this Dwight's plan all along, or did he decide on the spot when he saw the motorcycle that, eh, let's just steal the bike and ride off together? I, I think it was an on-the-spot decision. Yeah. So I, I thought, I, I expected him to be, I, I thought he was sincere and genuine. You know, when, uh, after, you know, Daryl saved them and brought the insulin back. And that kind of that kind of thing. So I was I was a little surprised by this maneuver. So I uh, I go ahead and assume that they were a little bit surprised by it too. Yeah, I I think so. Um, I I I think this was an on the spot thing too. I don't think Dwight premeditated this. Uh, the thing is, um, like I don't know. It's it does seem kind of strange that they would just grab the bike and and ride off like that. Like isn't there some benefit to actually going with Daryl and meeting up with this bigger community? You'd think so, but it depends what these people's true sort of feelings and motivations are, which we still don't really have a a good handle on other than they were trying to get away from this other bigger group. Yeah. And fears, you know, their experience with big groups is not a really happy experience. No, that's true. So when Daryl invites them to go hang out with them, him and his big group is like, yeah, you're looking for either food or slaves. We're getting the hell out of here. (laughs) We're getting out of here. So yeah. Okay. Well, it's kind of a bummer, but this is where Daryl loses his crossbow. They take it and that's it. So, um, he he does go and come across the, uh, the, the zombie in a motorcycle helmet again though. Yes, he does. He he walks past it, and as he's there with the motorcycle helmet zombie, he finds a sign on the ground that says A.A. Patrick Fuel Company, so the place they were before. And as he's looking at the sign, he seems to see a glint of something in the bush, and he finds a truck from the company hidden in the, in the, the woods, sort of, and the license plate is Patty002. Yeah. So this is this is Patty. This is who they were or what they were looking yes. for. Yeah, and I was a little suspicious when they uh, when they found when they went to that place and it said Patrick and uh, you know Patrick Fuel Company yeah. and they were looking for somebody named Patty or they were looking for Patty in quotes. So I was thinking, is Patty a guy? Is Patty Patrick from the Patrick Fuel Company? Yeah, that's what I kind of thought that Patty was not. Uh, not a woman, but a man. Yeah. 
that they were coming for. But then when I saw the truck and everything was laid out for me and then they hit me with it over, over the head, I clued in that they were looking for this fuel truck. Right. It's the first one they used to burn the forest down, Patio 1. There you go. This is the one so that they can, well, I'm not sure what they wanted to do with it. Well, just maybe get a vehicle, but do you think they hit it? They must have hit it there, but they couldn't remember the way back or something. I, I assume they hit it there. Or they, no, but, but see, why would they be going to the fuel company looking for it there when it's oh, hidden yeah. in the woods? So maybe it was removed from the fuel company by somebody else. And Motorcycle Derek, helmet zombie person. Yeah, maybe. He wasn't far away from it, so... Or she. He or she. You really couldn't tell. I, I think her name was Louise, and she was the one that uh, that took it from the uh, from the fuel company and hit it there, but then got caught up in the fire that didn't burn the truck. No, see, the truck was put there yeah, later. Yeah, I don't mean, Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't Louise. Probably not. I like how you're giving backstories to all the zombies, though. <laughs> <laughs> One's a stage actor. They all have backstories. <laughs> yeah, I guess they do. <laughs> we don't know what to... What... Yeah. Um, so he, uh, so Daryl kills a zombie in the driver's seat and, uh, that's all we see of him for now. Abe back with him. He comes out back into the office with Sasha and how he's wearing the guy's military uniform jacket. Yeah. Except it wasn't the same one because I don't think it had all of the decoration on it, all of the, the medals, did it? No, you can't wear the medals. That's just, you know, that's just disrespectful. So you can take... You didn't you earn can, those medals. You can take those off and just wear the, steal the guy's jacket, but not his medals. Yeah, because, you know, I don't know. I'm being arbitrary. I would take the medals <laughs> off and, uh, you know, There's you're first sure you're impersonating <laughs> an officer and uh, you're impersonating an officer and you're impersonating, you know, the rank and the, uh, the length of service and those kind of pins, but uh, the medals... You didn't earn. So outside, they hear a truck pull up. They're standing around in the office, but they hear a truck pull up. And they look out the window. We don't see out the window, the audience. But we see Abraham and Sasha start smiling. So it's obviously Daryl returning. Yeah, happy time, good fun. Happy time is back again. Uh, We cut to them on the road, heading back to Alexandria. And there was a shot here. I think they made a point to show us the shot of the rearview mirror with nothing behind them. Yeah. There were no zombies behind them. There was no cars, you know, coming up behind them. There was no nothing. They were leaving their troubles behind. And I think especially Abraham, he was leaving some of his sort of demons back out in the in the forest and uh, and heading forward into a brave new world for him. Yeah, they've got uh, they've got good friends. They got a truck full of fuel and an RPG and a box of cigars. So they do have a lot going for them at this point. Yeah, uh, and they're all back together, and none of them died. So that's also a good thing. I love it when I get back together with my friends and none of them have died. And nobody's dead, right? Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite parts about getting back together with my friends that haven't died. Good. All right. Um, so they're driving along. Daryl picks up the radio, tries to radio Rick. And this time, for the first time this episode, there's a response on the radio. And it's a one-word answer or response. It is help. Help. So I'm going to read, I'm going to break protocol here, Jason, and I'm going to read a holy crap moment before we've actually gotten to that section of the episode. Do it, do it now. This comes from Chris, a Canadian living in Philadelphia. Chris says, holy crap. Chris says, holy crap, was that 
Glenn's voice on the walkie-talkie? Uh, probably. So, you think so? <laughs> Was it Glenn's voice? Oh, I don't recall putting that all together. So I'm glad Chris, the Canadian living in Philadelphia, said that. Do I think it's Glenn's? Yes. Did I recognize it as Glenn's voice? No. That's interesting because the first thing I thought was, well, that's clearly Glenn. I know it didn't really sound like him, but you may not sound like yourself when you've been hiding under a dumpster for 24 hours uh, with zombies all around. So I Sometimes think, I do. Yeah, I, sometimes. I mean... It depends on how that dumpster goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this was probably Glenn, and uh, we are going to have we have a little three man rescue party now on their way to wherever Glenn is. Yes, we do. Right. So, yeah. I mean, who else would it be? Could would it be like a random person we've never met before? That seems a little random. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right? glad you put that put it that way because yeah. that's what I was going to say. <laughs> right. Um, is it somebody from Alexandria? Probably not because we spent a night while Daryl was unconscious, remember? So the Alexandria wolf attack is behind them at this point. It's over. It's over. It's long gone. I mean, is, is it Enid? Is she in trouble somewhere out there? Enid doesn't have a radio. Glenn does. Glenn has a radio. That's the other thing, right? Enid probably doesn't have a radio. Uh, so really, I mean... Do you think they even wanted there to be any um, any discussion or any uh, um, uncertainty as to whether this is Glenn or not? I have a feeling, I feel like they probably just should have made it even more clear, right? Hi, it's Glenn. Help me. <laughs> it's Glenn. I'm stuck under whatever, you know, I need some help. So uh, anyways, that's where it ended with the word help on the radio. So we're going to get uh, help next week. I think we might get help next week unless they choose to ignore the uh, request and just drive back to Alexandria. Oh, and they're like, what? Fuck that shit. We've got a truck full of gas here. Uh, we're going home because they made a casserole. We've been through enough already. I mean, we'll go and like in maybe in a week or two, we'll go out and see who was asking for help. You know, who knows? Yeah. Carol was making a casserole. I think we should get back. We have, we got to get back for that. I'm hungry. Um, overall this episode, it was kind of just an episode for me. Um, some of the stuff I didn't like about it, which a lot of involved Abraham and the way he in the way he was written and sort of the decisions he made kind of bothered me a ton. I didn't mind the the Daryl stuff. Uh I didn't mind that storyline, although I did feel like they could have maybe given us a little bit more about who Dwight was and their problems with this other group. I know they're just trying to hint at things and drop things in and make it a little mysterious, but you know, maybe that's a good thing in that I sort of, they left me wanting more and I'm kind of excited to find out what's going on there. But in the moment while watching it, I kind of felt like, yeah, this, I, I just get on with it. Like we don't need to be all mysterious here. Um, so I didn't love this episode. I didn't hate it, but it's kind of right down the middle for me. Did you have any other thoughts on it before we move on? Uh, I, I don't know if I loved it. Don't know if I hated it. Uh, I don't think the problems you had with it, uh, I necessarily had. The only problem I really had with it was, uh, uh, why didn't we see Wade's face? Like, yeah. what was the point of that? Cause is it somebody we know already? Cause that's the only thing I can think of. I don't think so. I, I think this is just sort of goes back to what I was saying. It was, it's a little bit, they're just trying to be a bit mysterious with it. They're trying to 
uh, they're trying to pique our interest and, and create suspense and, you know, work towards a bigger payoff or something. Um, or maybe Wade and Cam and those guys aren't going to be prominent characters on this show, so they're just kind of not bothering with it. But if well, that's the case, then show yeah. them to us. doesn't make any sense. So no. I, no, I, I didn't quite understand that part. That, that was the only real thing that bothered me other than the, you know, the typical Jason nitpicky kind of things like that forest wasn't burned down. And <laughs> Daryl's crossbow fell off the bike when he first wet, wiped out, but yet when he picked the bike back up and drove off, it was attached to his bike again. Oh gosh, I didn't even notice that, but yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, little things. And and what about uh what about Rosita? You know, what happened with uh, Eugene, or not Eugene, but uh what happened with uh, Abraham's relationship with Rosita? Aren't they a thing? Yeah, that's the thing. They they sort of have been a thing. I mean, I mean, unless they were just doing it for Eugene's sake cuz he liked to watch. Well, we got to have sex. Eugene wants to watch it. <laughs> That's right. Man, I wish I would have thought of that as an excuse <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> we There's have a... to have sex. He wants to see it. There's this other guy, and he wants to see <laughs> the stuff that's going on. So, I mean, let's do it. Uh, yes, but you're right. They were a thing. They never, t- I mean, maybe, uh, are we forgetting something? Did they sort of break it off or whatever? I don't think so. I don't think so. So, I don't know. Abraham's moving on, or they're just they're just forgetting about that, but... I don't know. Anyways, it was my problems were mostly with Abraham, but it, you know, the the other stuff about this episode was was okay. So, uh again, we are we are working towards a big finale here and and we do have to sort of take a step back and try to remember that this is meant to be a whole yes. complete story. So, right. um I'm not trying to say that's an excuse for a bad episode. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm I was trying to okay say. with the episode. I didn't think it was stellar, but I thought it was okay. Yeah, better than last week's. Oh yeah, for sure. Right, because there was some action, there was some excitement, there was some character moments, just handled in a bit of a unusual way, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, if uh, you have some thoughts on this episode, by all means, send in your thoughts. And uh, if we do a feedback show, we'll try to get them (laughs) on there. Hopefully we can. We'll see how it goes. Uh, We will take a short break right now. When we come back, it'll be time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? Stay with us. Dead is brought to you mostly by you. It's brought to you by you and it's for you, the listeners. 
Uh, if you want to help out with the cost of putting on this podcast, one of the best ways to do that is by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon in your internet browser and clicking on one of the Amazon stores there, whichever is most appropriate for you. That way, when you do your shopping, your Black Friday or your holiday shopping or whatever you have coming up, um, a small cut of your purchase will come right back to us and it every little bit helps. So we really do appreciate everyone who does that. That's talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. Or if you're in the States, just hit amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com. You'll go straight to the US uh, app, not iTunes, Amazon store. Uh, you can also visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead, where you can make a small monthly pledge, which again is uh, greatly appreciated and helps out quite a bit. Um, to do that, patreon.com slash the talking dead. We thank you so much for all your support. We do this for you guys and for us. Frankly, let's not uh, uh, mince words. It's fun, but uh, you know, we put this stuff out there. So those are two great ways to help out, and uh, we thank everyone for your support. crap did you see that all righty time for holy crap did you see that our first one comes from justine in norcal justine says holy crap did you hear that they're going after glenn and they've got torpedoes this is going to be awesome <laughs> oh yeah i just like how uh, she called them torpedoes well, yeah, they're pretty much just, they're, they're, they're torpedoes well, i'm happy with that i was calling them rockets but i'm not even sure that's the most appropriate terminology yeah, an RPG, rocket-propelled grenade. Rocket-propelled grenade. They're, they're rockets. I guess so, but see, when uh, I the think of... Missiles gr- are guided, uh-huh. rockets are not. Oh, see, I didn't realize that was the distinction. But see, I think of a grenade as a hand grenade, right? When someone yes. says grenade, I think hand grenade. So yes. when someone says rocket-propelled grenade, I think it should be like a gun that shoots hand grenades out of a out of Well, a they, they have barrel. those. That's what those, uh, those big, those things that look like uh, big revolvers that shoot tear gas. Yeah. They basically, they shoot the uh, the projectile form of hand grenades. Huh. This, just, this is just a, an anti-tank weapon that or anti-whatever you can aim at weapon. Mm-hmm. Like you could shoot it at a helicopter if it's close enough, or you can shoot it at a tank, or you can shoot it at a truck, or you can shoot it at a building. You can shoot uh, Johnny with that, but that would be illegal because uh, it goes <laughs> against the Geneva Convention. Or shooting a human being with an RPG. Right. You can shoot at his backpack. You're supposed to shoot at equipment and not at people with these big, like a 50 caliber machine gun. You're not allowed to shoot people, right. but uh, you can shoot equipment. So if they're wearing a backpack, you just say, I'm shooting the backpack. That sounds like you a just... loophole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. All right. <laughs>
All right, next we have uh, Roy somewhere near Microsoft. That's weird, Roy. <laughs> it's a little weird, Roy. Uh, holy crap, did you see that? There was more action before the credits than we had in the past two episodes. Well, there may have been, yep. There was a whole car chase. <laughs> yeah. You know? And shots fired and everything. Yeah, all kinds of good stuff. Sally on the internet writes, Holy crap, did you see the Daryl Ganger cyclist zombie just before the opening credits? Nice little bit of foreshadowing. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, Daryl's going to end up like that? No. He would never wear a helmet. No, that's the thing. He never would wear a helmet. It would mess up his messy hair. <laughs> it would mess up, well, it wouldn't mess up his hair per se. It would just mess up his uh, his ego. His, I don't his, think, I don't think it's, it, you couldn't get a helmet big enough to fit over his ego. Well, then you wouldn't, you won't get to look at his rugged good looks all the time then. That's right. Still see his arms though. He's got some arms, that guy. Well, yeah, he had to take his jacket off so we could see his arms. Did you did you catch that? I sure did, yeah. And they yeah, made a right. whole thing about taking that jacket off, the way he sort of shook it off. And even my wife said, man, look at that guy's arms. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't say that about me. Oh, I mean, right. go figure. My, I got little skinny, <laughs> flabby arms. Next, we have Sean on the internet. Holy crap, did you see the mossing dead? The moss zombie. Totally awesome. Plus, he had a little flower growing on him right where his lapel should be. Nice touch. That's interesting. I did not notice that, but you know, zombies are going to get uh, f- uh, foliage growing on them if they hang around long enough. <laughs> they sure will. <laughs> I know go. I do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, next is Steve on the internet. Holy crap! The jump scare for Abe when he comes upon the zombie behind glass. Kind of cheap, but I kind of didn't mind it either. <laughs> yeah, and he's and he can be startled. You'd think he wouldn't be startleable. No, but that's sort of, weren't you saying that's kind of why, he, that kind of shows he's off his game a little bit. Yeah, he is. You know, he he's he's not thinking straight. He's not prepared for everything. And, and walking into that dark room without properly checking it and then being startled by a zombie in a boardroom is uh, kind of the same thing, sort of. That's true. All right, next we have Noop J in Dallas. Holy crap, did you not see that? Wayne's face is very obviously hidden from us. I wonder if he's a wolf or just not cast yet with a bigger named actor. It would be like Michonne's entrance in season two. So I'm not the only one who heard Wayne the first time. Noop J heard Wayne too, but I did have to go look it up. As I said, it was Wade. So Uh. I went to find out more about this actor and this character uh, after Noop J said, maybe they haven't, (laughs) maybe they haven't cast them yet. Right. I don't think that's the case. They He was played by a guy named Darren Cooper. So he's not a big name, but you might recognize him, actually. He's been acting for a while, since the mid-90s. And he was on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He was on X-Files, JAG, 24, Criminal Minds. He was in The Social Network, and he was in Gone Girl. What was his name? Uh, Darren Cooper, D-A-R-I-N, Cooper. And now he's mostly had one-off episodes of TV shows or really small roles, so he looked kind of familiar to me, but but I wasn't sure. But I also think he's probably an experienced enough actor that if they're going to, you know, get someone in this role, he could he could do the job. Yeah, I'm looking at him. I don't recognize him. Usually, he must have been wearing a lot of makeup in DS9, for example. Oh, it could be. Did you watch that show? Oh, yeah. Well, I've seen them all. Maybe. Okay. Well, and like one episode of X-Files and 
Uh, oh, there he is. I know him. There's a picture of him as a Cardassian in DS9. I totally know who he is now. All right. So he's, he's a guy, and he's <laughs> been, he's, he's an actor, and he's been in stuff. Yeah. Um, I think he had small roles in the social network in Gone Girl, uh, but you know, probably as like judge number four or something like that, but uh, still. <laughs> judge number four. Well, I don't know. Usually I, I, they name judges in TV shows. That's true, but I remember, I remember seeing him in something on his IMDb page as, uh, as a lawyer, and I think he was just a lawyer sitting around a board table kind of thing. Anyways, right. um, so he's been around a bit. We might actually see him on the show if, uh, if we see him again. Um, but next comes uh, an email from Adam in Texas. Holy crap, did you see Abraham firing Chekhov's RPG? Oh, that's it. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. Now, there's a first. But if my math is right, showing an RPG in the sixth episode means someone has to use it by the 18th episode? One to three ratio? Or am I overthinking it? Oh, they're going to use it next episode, Adam. Next? Do you think so? This is going to be yeah. used before the mid-season finale. Well, if you found an RPG with four rounds... Wouldn't you be itching to use it? Yeah, you're like, I just got to find something to blow up. Anything. Oh, that guy went behind that wall. I better shoot the wall. <laughs> as long as it's not him, you can shoot the wall, the backpack, whatever. That's right. Well, I don't know. I mean, you're right. I think it'll probably be used in the next two episodes. They got to use it before we forget about it. Yeah, I guess so. If they do indeed go after Glenn and they find Glenn somehow... I bet you they use it in their rescue effort for Glenn. Yeah, it's probably true. Probably. We'll see. All right, next we have Katie in the UK. Holy crap, did you see Abraham's flirting skills with Sasha? He could pull anybody with lines like, loose ends make my ass itch. Ooh, Abraham, you are such a Romeo. <laughs> Not. Not. Yeah, this is just another example. Make my ass itch? Um, who says that? I... Well, maybe he's talking about... Uh, Having a tapeworm. Like it's oh. kind of a loose end that makes your ass itch. Oh, God. <laughs> you, you had to you had to go there. Um I, I just Sorry. I don't know. I think they're they're trying too hard to give him these like weird and I I and I feel like some people would find them clever lines, but I, I don't find them clever at all. I just feel like they're making a more of a caricature than anything else. So Yeah. I don't want them. I don't mind a little bit of that. Like he can have a personality, but I don't want too much personality. Right. And that's what they've got going on. Uh, Jessica in Long Island writes, holy crap. Did you see that guy walk off an arm amputation? Not a leg cramp or a stub toe, but a goddamn amputation. <laughs> Daryl <laughs> and Abraham were nowhere near the biggest badasses this episode. That award goes to that guy. That guy. I and mean, his buddy took the watch off the arm before tossing it. So oh. that he wouldn't lose the watch. Did you notice that? I did not notice that. I just noticed him toss the arm away, and like uh, Cam immediately just gets up and then and like they're walking away. <laughs> like, yeah, come on, walk it off. <laughs> exactly, walk it <laughs> yeah. off. Like it's I just cut your arm off. You'll be fine. It's yeah. tough. <laughs> he probably wouldn't walk for a while. Yeah, you wouldn't want to. You. We're going think. into shock. He'd be unconscious. I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Teej from Wisconsin writes, Holy crap, did you see the military walker impaled on the fence? I can't understand how that happened. Literally. I don't see how he could have logically been in such a position. Was he impaled and then the fence pushed over the edge? Did he fall out of a helicopter or something? <laughs> Was he impaled 
before the fence fell over. I really didn't get that part, and it's bugging me. Maybe I'm just stupid, so any help would be appreciated. Well, Tej, I don't know if I have any help because the whole scene didn't work very well for me. Um, and you're I right. Know exactly what happened? Okay. How how did that guy get impaled on a fence and then hung over a hung over a uh, bridge? Well, his his name was Robbie. And he was standing guard on a fence that was across the bridge, blocking people from uh, from getting from one side of the bridge to the other. And Robbie was driving the the, uh, the the vehicle there with the the extra RPG rounds. And then somebody with a truck or something plowed through the fence, which caught Robbie off guard and uh, impaled him. And the fence was flying all over the place as this vehicle drove through at high speed. And he ended up on the edge of the fence, uh, edge over the edge of the bridge, impaled on the fence. Well, that sounds kind of exciting. I wish we'd seen that. Yeah, that would have been that would have been great. Poor Robbie, though, he got impaled by a fence, and he, as somebody was blowing through a barricade. Yeah, and he may have been hanging there for a long time. So yeah, about a year. About a year. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> well, TJ, I was wrong. We do have some help. So, and it came from Jason, as you might have guessed. So <laughs> everybody gets a backstory. Everybody does. Yeah. Uh, A couple more here. Michael in London writes, My holy crap, did you see that moment, was how stupid the death of Tina was. There was more than enough time for her to have stepped back and not get caught by the two walkers on the floor. The way she went down seemed a bit fake, too. And the two walkers coming back to life in the burnt-out greenhouse was far too predictable. I didn't predict it. Oh, I sort of did. When I saw them under there, I was like, yeah, they're going to... I, I thought a hand would reach up and grab her ankle or something like that, but instead they just broke out of the glass and and immediately were on her. Um, so Tina yeah. had to go. Well, Tina come on, she was a diabetic. Go. She's a liability. I don't know how she survived this long at all. They had a cooler like, of insulin, man. One cooler of insulin to last a year and a half of the zombie apocalypse. How long has it been since the, the it broke out? It's hard to say, but it's been it's at been, least a while, yeah, at least that It's long. been a long time. You yeah. think she's been able to get a, a consistent supply of insulin since the beginning of the outbreak? Well, I guess so. Yeah, I don't believe it. Okay. <laughs> I call bullshit on that. Yeah. Robbie flying over the edge getting impaled on a fence is one thing, but uh, Tina being able to find insulin, insulin on a consistent basis, I, I don't believe it. And I don't know much about keeping insulin but i guess it needs to be refrigerated that cooler's not going to stay cold for very long yeah that's uh, maybe it doesn't need to be refrigerated maybe it just needs to be in a cooler that labeled insulin because you well, know if somebody steals it they're going to want to bring it back because it's labeled insulin or at least want to know what it is so probably not even insulin it's probably just like smack or something and <laughs> put it in there to mess with people i don't know man <laughs> All right, finally, we have Miles in San Francisco. Holy crap, those two jerks robbed Daryl after he saved them. I was pissed. It made me wonder, what would you guys do if you were in the same situation? So I'm not sure if Miles means if we were Daryl and we'd just been robbed, or if we were uh, Dwight and Sherry and we saw a guy with a motorcycle and thought, hey, we could take that and ride off into the sunset together. All right, so I'll be Dwight, you be Sherry. And I think, uh, no, I don't think I would... uh, I would steal the motorbike from Daryl. I think I would want to go to where Daryl was uh, saying that uh, things were mostly the same as they used to be. Yeah, but I'm Sherry, and I'm like, 
Dwight, I just want to be with you, baby. And uh, well, I'm going with this guy. Look at his arms. Don't you want to go with his arms, Scooty? Screw, screw his arms. He's got blood running down them, and he's got a cool motorcycle, but it's ours now, and we can go wherever we want. Nah, we should go with him. Look at him. He seems like a nice guy. He came back. He brought uh, Tina her insulin before uh, before she got killed. And look what happened to Tina. I don't want that to be me someday when you're digging a ditch or digging a grave for me. All right, fine. Shoot him. Let's just go. See, that's how these things happen. (laughs) Nag, nag, nag. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. So um, apparently we would steal the motorcycle. And And shoot Daryl. We wouldn't just leave him there. And shoot Daryl, yeah. We would shoot him, yeah. All right. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote in. So um, everybody, uh, let's hope we do a feedback show later this week. But again, I apologize if we don't. Uh, it's just the week has gotten away from me and I don't know if we'll be able to do it. So, uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. In the meantime, though, if you want to get in touch with us, you can visit our website and click on send voicemail to send us a message. That's talkingdeadpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at talking dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. And of course you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Please don't forget to use our Amazon links when you do your shopping at Amazon. That's TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon. You can choose the country of your choice. And that would be great when you're doing your uh, upcoming Black Friday or holiday shopping. We'd really appreciate it. And I think that's our show for this week. So until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.